Slick V on the track. God is calling me. I'm in a zone. I gotta see my doctor. Scott is calling me. Scott is calling me. What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, it is it is a little after midnight after watching the Orange Bowl, but we, we're going to hit the playoff games before the rest of the year, six games, because that's what's most important. That's what's emphasized in college football. So, I mean, hey, unfortunately for us, that was the last Saturday of college football, my friend. You had to say it. Yeah, the, it was. We were kind of spoiled because Friday, being New Year's Day, we had the nine to noon college game day, followed by a noon kick, a one o'clock kick, and then two playoff games yesterday. Followed by today having quote unquote championship drive, whatever they call it, but basically another version of college game day today with a couple of noon games and then another four o'clock and eight o'clock game. So we've been spoiled the past couple of days. Um, it's almost like we got two Saturdays out of this week. So yeah, last, last college football Saturday, but you know, the season is never, never over. There's, there's no off season for, for college football. So we'll definitely still have a ton of content, ton of things to talk about, even as the season winds down. Yes, we will. But for now we got football to talk about. So Let's start with the Rose Bowl played in Arlington with the beautiful sunset over Walmart. And where Alabama, as expected, beats Notre Dame 31 to 14. So Notre Dame gets a little little backdoor cover there against Alabama when they when they uh you know turn the gas off a little bit. But Bama rolls, I mean, their offense. <laughs> had a success rate of 65% when they passed the ball. I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous performance by Alabama. And, you know, Notre Dame turned the ball over. I mean, now when you walk away, it is still thinking, like, Alabama is the best team in the country. Just watching that game, not we'll talk about Sugar Bowl in a second. but Yeah, I mean, I, I would think that they are going into it. That's what my notion was. You and I have a lot of respect for this Notre Dame team. I'm really not hearing anybody who is saying like, oh, this proves that Notre Dame shouldn't have been in the game or something like this because, again, Alabama was going to do this to whoever the number four team was. Um, I would argue it would be an uglier game if it was another team. Notre Dame actually impressed me by knowing who they are and not being afraid to be who they are. There's – only a couple ways to beat Alabama and they definitely tried their hardest to do the ball control, you know, work the clock, march your way down the field. But that's the problem um, when you're facing an Alabama, because, you know, Notre Dame can march their way down the field and score a touchdown, you know, and then Alabama can zip right back down in, you know, two, three plays with, Devontae Smith running wide open and then opening it up for someone else and doing this and doing that. And like you said, the success rate on the passing, I mean, their explosion is like 31 points. They really took their foot off the gas uh, on offense. And, you know, like I said, possession wise, Notre Dame, one time of possession 
And that was by design. Notre Dame was trying to manufacture things, work the field and get down the field and score. Uh, they scored the late touchdown, like you said, backdoor cover and kind of make it a little more interesting. And then they get an onside kick recovery and they could have made this look actually pretty decent from the box score from the ones who didn't watch the game and say, Oh, if this, you know, if, if they had scored, uh, Oh, 31, 21, that's not bad at all. But yeah, Alabama kept them out. But yeah, this was, I still feel comfortable. Alabama controlled this game. I never felt it was ever in question. Um, that late touchdown didn't change it for me, but again, I'm not coming away from this saying, oh man, like we could have had a better game if we had this other team in here against Alabama. I think it was very much a, uh, you know, it was almost like checking a box. This is, this is what's got to happen. And, you know, Alabama got the number one seed, so they get to play whoever number four is and they did what they needed to do. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we talked about on the podcast, like, Notre Dame was deserving of being here. Notre Dame was the fourth best team in the country. And this result, to me, only proves that point. <laughs> like, they held Alabama to their lowest points total this season. Did Alabama take their foot off the gas? Yes, but they have in other games, too, and scored 50. So, yeah, um, you know, so I walk away impressed Notre Dame. But, yeah, Alabama did what Alabama needed to do. I know that the Heisman votes were already voted on before this game, but any voter that did not vote Devontae Smith as the Heisman winner, I hope they watched this and felt awful because <laughs> he's very clearly the best player in the country when you watch him play. I mean, just the, the way he gets open on his routes, like, yes, part of it is play design, but you notice these other receivers aren't getting as open as he is. And that's because of how well he's playing his position. Like he catches everything thrown his way. Like the way he uses his body to just make himself available to make the catch, the way he goes up and gets the ball, what he does with the ball in his hands after the catch. I mean, he's a freak. He's the best player in America. And well, in his mind, like he, he knows where to be. He like, he's, he's playing mind games as cat and mouse. Like it's just, it's stupid to watch what he's doing. Um, some A point that I was making when I was talking about Trevor Lawrence um, another time, it's just great players make the game look really easy. Um, it just looks easy with Devontae Smith running routes and catching touchdowns. Um, and I think it's definitely, you know, he's – the Alabama offense would be good this year even without him because they have great players. But – he makes this offense elite. He makes them from good to elite. Um, and they're just so explosive. Like, he just opens so much up for everybody else. Think about how this offense did not slow down after Jalen Waddle got hurt. Like, they only have gotten better all season, despite losing what some people were saying was the best receiver on the roster, like yeah. in Jalen Waddle. And Devontae Smith, again, like you said, great players make the game look easy. He goes into the semifinal game, has seven receptions for 130 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, you just you can't have a better game than that. That's that's as that's as good as they come, you know. That's as good as any receiver can have in a football game, especially of this magnitude. But another player that made the game look easy was Mac Jones, and I think he's been doing that all season. And I think that, you know, you've got the Trevor Lawrence of the world, you've got the Justin Fields, you know, you've got. Um, You've got guys like Sam Howell. You've got guys like Kyle Trask putting up a bunch of stats. But 
Mac Jones, I mean, just I, I still think he's underrated. I know that he's a Heisman finalist, but I think people think, oh, you know, he got handed the keys to a Ferrari, almost like the old Alabama game managers, like, oh, you know, you throw McAaron, McAaron in this offense with a full offseason and like Mac Jones would be doing that, right? But like you're talking about an offense that lost two first round receivers. Right. And still is putting up these numbers in the passing attack with the new quarterback as a first year starter in Mac Jones. And so I I see, I mean, 25 of 30, only five incompletions for 297 and four touchdowns. Impressive performance from Mac Jones. He continues to just drive this offense. And there's a reason Alabama had three Heisman finalists in the top five because Najee Harris had 15 carries for a buck 25 as well. Well, and, you know, it's one of these things where, it's difficult to tell who is making who better. So it's best to just say they're all making each other better because my point would be the reason Mac Jones makes it look easy is because his offensive line is making it look clean most mm. of the night all the time. And they have, and, but, you know, Landon Dickerson, uh, you know, one of the all Americans that you and I voted on as a center for the, our all American team, he's, he was out after, going down in the SEC championship towards the end. So the fact that they're in a a backup scenario and they still kept such a clean pocket, he still was able to deliver the ball, you know, with, with ease. Um, I think it's, it's, it's very easy to see why they're so good. Um, I don't know. I, you know, we'll talk about who they're going to match up against here in a moment once we talk about the sugar bowl, but you know, I don't, I don't know what else you could really say about this game. It, it seems pretty black and white. Um, I think you and I both agree um, that, like, Al, like Notre Dame is a better program than they've been in the past decade. Like they've been building to this. Hundred percent. But like Alabama is also the best version of Alabama in. Of a while too so like this might be the best Alabama team because of the offense it's a different game from what they were playing 10 10 years ago which is crazy to think um how quickly everything changes I mean five years ago even but like the margin is the same or you know maybe not as bad but it's 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 still like hey Alabama is considerably better they're going to control the clock and beat you and I think Brian Kelly kind of said it best after the game. He's like, well, we're just going to have to, you know, go back recruit and, and keep, keep trying. Like, we'll keep, keep at it. you like, it's like, what do you do? Like, you can't be upset with finishing in the top four and having a, you know, a great season as Notre Dame. It's like you play the best team in the nation and they beat you, you know, you, you just got to keep working and, and come back and try it again. So. Yeah. And. Yeah, I, I think I thought you said enough about this game. Alabama rolled and Notre Dame. Yeah, nothing against Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is doing exactly what I mean, probably not exactly. They did better than other teams would have been done in this position. So way to go, Notre Dame. Great season. Don't listen to all the hate about them being overrated, you know, consistently. Don't listen to it, Notre Dame. You had a great season. So let's go to the sugar bowl. Oh yeah. Man. I just sometimes it just feels good to be right. And this is one of those times everyone kind of penciled in. Well, you know, here we go. Alabama and Clemson, you know, part six. And 
you and I were sitting here talking like, man, like Ohio State, they were a pick to win the national championship back in July. Yeah, July right? we were but before on. you know, before everything of this season got you know messed around, it's just like, hey, Ohio State is uh gonna be the best team in the country. And what we had here is a small sample size. Now Dabo's twenty thought that small sample size was, you know, not good enough. And so they, you know, he ranked at number eleven. And so you and I talked about how, hey, I don't, I don't know if I'd be giving uh, Ohio State any motivation. I don't think they need it. Uh, the score from the Clemson game last year has been in the locker room all off season. Ryan Day, dang good coach, oh, real yeah. good coach. Ryan Day, Justin Fields, his ceiling is uh, his ceiling is Trevor Lawrence. That's that's what his ceiling is. And hey, a matchup that we talked about that ended up coming to fruition big time was. Ohio State has elite wide receivers, and boy, did they show out. I mean, Ohio State dominated Clemson, and, I, you know, it was evident on social media after the game, people making fun of Dabo for all the comments he made leading up to it. I do think it was foolish. I, I You know, there's part of me that was very worried about picking Ohio State because I'm like, you know, like Dabo's not an idiot. Like maybe he just really thinks he's going to blow him out. <laughs> and so yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't mind saying it because he just knows – they're going to blow them out. And after the first drive, I got worried because Ohio State went like three and out. Clemson scored seven nothing. I was like, oof. You know, then it was 14 14 after a little while in the first quarter. And then it was all Ohio State after that. I mean, give me your thoughts on this game. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more after that. Yeah. So I, I like doing it, but I also don't like doing it. I don't like rubbing people's face in it because I know when I'm wrong, I don't want it to be rubbed in my face necessarily. But we were both. On Ohio State, I did think Clemson would win maybe outright, but I knew seven and a half was going to be way too much. I thought Ohio State was better than that. They obviously proved to be even more so. Um, you and like, like, you know, you and I, I think both were kind of hoping that the other one would be in the majority picking with Clemson because we were both like, yeah, I've been looking at this. This is Ohio State is still here. Like, are we just going to ignore the fact that they're in? That was all the argument was. Now they're in. What do they got to lose? Like, let's see it. So I've been on Trey Sermon all year. Um, in Good the boy. preview, that's my guy, man. You know, he's from right up the road from here. So you got Kennesaw, Georgia, and Marietta, Georgia in the backfield for Ohio State. So they're repping hard for our I area. Did, I just want to shout here. you out. You, you, literally, since he transferred, you were like, he's going to be the best back on the roster like he's gonna be better than master teague and they didn't even have master teague this game it had to be trey sermon yeah Dude, he set the ohio state record for most rushing yards over a two-game span in a big 10 championship and a national semifinal so hey shout out you've been right about him since june well he's had seven games this year and he's only played in like five of them and he's got like 700 and something yards rushing so he's um draftable this year so i think he's gonna have a great nfl career um but yeah he he had a big game and that's really you know fields fields had a great game and fields definitely kind of found his rhythm and i think they're kind of hitting their stride but like i think the running game makes them so much harder to defend it makes them like alabama offensively where you have the elite wide receivers like um yeah and then it's just like they're and they're so deep like so the the receivers it's you know we all know Chris Olave and like Garrett Wilson but they've got their trio of like freshmen who are 
all top, you know, top 30 players. And so when you have that kind of ability and talent, um, that room is just ridiculous. And then, you know, Fields, obviously, he takes the hit in the game. That's going to be a concern going forward. But the fact that he comes back and just throws a touchdown on, like, the next play or two plays later, something like that, just shows you, I mean, his toughness and his ability. Um, I think that there's a miscon- there was a misconception about Fields. I, I don't know. Maybe there wasn't. I feel like a lot of people think that he relies too much on his running um, and that he's not able to just like, if he could only stand in the pocket and deliver the ball. I mean, he's got a rocket launcher attached to his shoulder and he's deadly accurate. So if he didn't have four, five, four, six speed, he would still be a top five pick in the NFL, but he's got that. So it's just an extra tool that he uses. I think that you probably see him running less going forward just because of the injury possibility and stuff, but also it's the national championship. You know, when he goes there, like leave it all in line this game. I mean, I was in from game from the beginning, like Trevor Lawrence get, gets, you know, scores a touchdown. He kind of went right down the field, like you mentioned, and then Ohio state answered. And I was like, all right, let's, let's see what's going on. And then, Clemson answers, it's 14-7. Ohio State comes back, and it's I'm like, all right, 14-14. Are we just going to be, you know, whoever's got the last possession right. is going to win this game? Right. Is it like that? And then you kind of saw the, the tide turn a little bit, and it kind of became, okay, Clemson doesn't have – they don't have, like, the ace in their back pocket. Like, Trevor Lawrence was having to work really hard to get any yardage for them because the offensive line was a problem and their receivers weren't winning every, every snap. Whereas on the other side, Ohio state's offensive line was hold, you know, was keeping, uh, keeping the, keeping them clean uh, in the backfield and they're able to, you know, get vertical in the running game and their receivers were winning was off the spot. So that happens over the course of the whole game. You get this kind of a result and, Ohio State looked really impressive. They looked like the team we were projecting before the season. We've only seen glimpses of this team this year and has been against some subpar competition, so we weren't sure what to make of it. Like, they did it to Michigan State, but how many people actually watched that game? Michigan State fans didn't watch that game. They didn't want to see the the bludgeoning. So, you know, anyways, that's what I got to say. You mentioned, like, I mean, here's where the game turned to. There was some questionable in-game coaching. Dabo punted from it was fourth and four from his like from, from his own 40. And they were down a touchdown. It was 21-14. They punted. Ohio State scores. Now it's 28-14. They get the ball back. Fourth and three from their own 43 near midfield. You punt the ball. Ohio State scores. It's 35-14. Just like that. Just like when you have a deadly offense that you're facing, when it's fourth and three and you've got Trevor Lawrence, like you go for it from the, your your own forty three because it's yeah. like they're going to score. So what you, you you know a couple of those punts were touchbacks. So it was like, oh great, you gained net like thirty yards on this punt. Congratulations, um, they scored. <laughs> so uh, that that's when they lost the game. Honestly, was that second quarter. As soon as it was just like punt touchdown punt touchdown, it was. I mean, a 21 point margin, and then that was the final margin, was 21 points. So you could argue the game was lost there. 
Trevor Lawrence still had the quietest 400-yard game of all time. I mean, he balled, but I think the, the biggest difference maker in this game, obviously, was Ohio State's defense because they stopped Clemson from scoring, and they covered up their pass defense not being great by having a great pass rush, and they dominated the line of scrimmage on the defensive line without their best defensive line player, Zach Harrison. And so Clemson's offensive line has not been perfect all year, and they go up against a team as talented as Ohio State, and they just got exposed. Like, they, they simply got exposed. I think we talked about earlier in the year with Miami, right? Miami was rolling. They go into Clemson. I mentioned, like, hey, this is when this offensive line gets exposed when you play talent that's better than you. And Clemson goes in and plays talent that's better than them when Ohio State and offensive line got exposed. And that was the difference in the game because if you're Clemson, it, you, you at least think with Trevor Lawrence, hey, we can get into a shootout if we need to and go blow for blow. So for Ohio State to stand up on that defensive line and then, you know, Josh Pate, friend of the show, always has padlock stats, right? Rushing yards. Ohio State, 254. Clemson, 44. Like, the two games that Clemson has lost this year has been Travis Etienne's, like, worst games ever. (laughs) And in part because Notre Dame and Ohio State – have really good defensive lines and they were able to expose Clemson's offensive line a little bit and shut down the run game. And then the difference maker in this game was they got in Trevor Lawrence's face. Like I watched the sky cam a lot of the game and like, it was really cool to see. I wish ESPN would do that more often. Um, But Trevor had tight windows to throw. So the fact that he threw for 400 yards with how bad the offensive line play was dang impressive, but I mean, Daniel, I walk away from this game. I know we said before the playoff, like it's Alabama and everybody else. And now I'm like, man, Ohio State sure is peaking at the right time. And I don't know if it's Alabama and everybody else anymore, but I do think the best two teams in the country are in the national championship. Well, this is the first time that, um, well, two of the top three in the team talent composite and the blue chip ratio, which we've referenced before, two of the most talented teams in the country, two of the top three, you could just argue the top two because of developed talent because upperclassmen uh, are the reason that their blue chip ratio is where it is. Like, for instance, Georgia is in that top three as well, but they're they're freshman loaded, right? Their freshman class uh, accounts for a lot of that. So um, the fact that they are both – at this level of talent, like GMs for NFL, the NFL GMs are going to be watching this game salivating and they're going to have their whole, like they're going to have their whole team trying to write and take all these notes down from this one game. There's going to be so many drafted players from this one game. That's how much talent will be on the field. I mean, you could have, I mean, you could have, eight to 10 first round picks on the field um, in this game, which is, it's insane. So that's, that's crazy, but in one game, but yeah, so that, I I think there's more intrigue for me. Um, You know, I hate to, you know, look, Bama Clemson would have been fun too, but, you know, we've seen Bama Clemson several times Bam Ohio State has been a few years since we've seen that. And that was kind of like the last time that Ohio State, or excuse me, last time that Alabama really looked 
human, I guess. I don't know. Um, Clemson exposed them a couple years ago. But anyways, I think this one's going to be just one for the ages. I'm, I'm hoping it is. I think that Ohio State might be the only team that can score, go score for score with Alabama um, because of the receivers. So these, I mean, you're, I don't think there's really an argument. These are the top two receiving cores in the nation. Um, 100%. Yes. Yeah. These are, these are the top two. Um, imagine if Jalen Waddle is playing this game too. Oh my goodness just the receiver talent on both sides. But anyways, this is going to be, I mean, a track, a track meet. I really expect both teams to score a bunch, but I'm, I'm pumped that this is our matchup. I think there's more intrigue going in than there would have been if it was just another Bama Clemson game. I think people would almost have a little bit of, you know, fatigue with Bama and Clemson. We are eight days away from that game. So We'll have a full episode just breaking down the national championship. We'll do a deep dive into it, make our picks both straight up and against the spread. We'll be excited to do that later on. Let's 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 quickly talk about the other New Year's Six Bowls, not just the playoff. We're a college football podcast. We cover bowl games, but uh, let's start from the from the beginning. Oklahoma and Florida. I mean, Oklahoma beat the brakes off of Florida, and I tweeted about it, but I was pretty disappointed with Dan Mullen after the game. I just think it showed poor leadership. I mean, number one, you mentioned it, but throwing your own team under the bus saying our scout team played great, you know, it's just telling those players like, Hey, like you're, you're worthless to your own team and saying your team played its last game 11 days ago. It just, it, it all rubbed me the wrong way. I think it's just poor sportsmanship, poor leadership by Dan Mullen, but Hey, I, spare me the excuses. Oklahoma beat the brakes off of Florida. And if we're just judging off of like right now, who's the best teams and not full season resume, Oklahoma is a top four team right now. Like yeah. they were incredible. I mean, this is a Florida team that was explosive on offense all year and the Oklahoma defense just shut them down and the offense was spectacular. Yeah. That's the difference with this Oklahoma team. Um, I feel like we had to see it on a major stage to really believe this defense could do you know, what we expect, you know, what, you know, you've, you've mentioned it several times, but, you know, we, ha- I guess I did, it, it's one of those things it's tough to believe that their, their defense is really going to be that quality. Um, and the defense was the difference in this game. Um, and then going into next year, I mean, that has, has me having a lot of confidence in Oklahoma Um because you know the offense will always be there under Lincoln Riley. So if this defense has been corrected or adjusted to be, I mean, even, you know, three quarters as good as the offense, I mean, they're going to be, it's going to be a rough year for the big 12. I tell you that. So um, I mean, yeah, this, this game, I, I agree with you. No need to, you know, dive into it too much more, but yeah, Oklahoma, definitely impressive in this game florida kind of spinning their wheels here at the end of the year you want to guess where oklahoma's defense ranks in sp plus given that last year i'll say they were outside of the top 70 okay maybe uh 20 i don't know 18 okay so i mean like year two of alex grinch and you can already see a tremendous defense and 
I mentioned it last week, but if we're looking ahead the next season, which we'll, you know, we'll have a podcast here in a few weeks doing that. Like if their defense takes another step forward with this offense, sorry, big 12, <laughs> like this, this year is the year to catch Oklahoma because <laughs> this was the, this was the rebuilding year. Um, right. But we can move on from this game. Uh, Peach Bowl was the game before the two semifinal games. And this was the best New Year's six game. Just like pure, like, it was only close one, right? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, you know, minus the the Orange Bowl, which the score is little, you know, little deceiving. But Georgia has to come back from an eleven point deficit, uh, kicks a game winning field goal with two seconds left. J T. Daniels, kind of like Trevor Lawrence, just quietly threw for four hundred yards in this game. <laughs> um, but I don't think this takes anything away from Cincinnati. You know, I was reading a lot on Twitter about the whole. SEC teams, you know, not wanting to be there. But, hey, I think Georgia wanted to be there. Um, they showed a lot of effort. Even if they had lost, they wanted to be there. They wanted to play this game. So credit to Cincinnati for keeping this thing close. Um, again, I think I think you and I on the same page here. I don't think this takes anything away from Cincinnati. I think what a great season. And, I mean, you came so close to knocking off a really great team. Yeah, and honestly, if it would have been a team that walked in not caring, Cincinnati could have – this could have gotten away. Like, it, Cincinnati could have run away with something. But Georgia came with something different on defense than I think Cincinnati was ready for. Um, and, you know, the the impressive thing to me was Cincinnati defensively and on special teams because special teams-wise, they didn't give up, you know, those hidden – yardage on you know field position Georgia usually thrives off of that um I I noticed it right away and then defensively I mean there are some parts where they'd help you know they'd they'd stop Georgia straight up and then there's other times where they would just frustrate Georgia make Georgia have to work for all the yards they were getting it'd be I mean I think Georgia only converted one third down in the entire game yeah one of eleven one of 11. Like, how frustrating is that if you're an offense? Like, you get the third down and you basically know you're not going to get it. That's just – I think that's just excellent defense. They stopped Georgia on one of the fourth down attempts. Georgia attempted two fourth downs. Um, 45 rushing yards. Yeah. It's just – it was it was an excellent effort. They did what they needed to do to beat Georgia. Georgia just simply had a little bit extra at the end. Um and went down and, and did what they needed to do. But, I mean, it took a 53-yard game-winning field goal from, you know, a guy who that's his career long, you know. So it took an effort like that to beat them. And then, yeah, it looks a little bit better at the end because the safety um, on the last play of the game. But, you know, I, I came away impressed very much with Cincinnati. I think they're a tough team. I'm impressed even more so with Luke Fickle than I was before. I think he is an excellent coach, and he is very well deserving of a big, big time Power Five gig. Um, but yeah, this is a good Cincinnati team, and Georgia, you know, way to finish the season out. And Aziza Jalari, go get your money, young man. I mean, he had three sacks in this game, and definitely, um, definitely helped his draft stock. Uh, we we already had a hunch he was going to declare. He declared today um, that he's going to be going to the NFL. So, well done. Excellent for him. Nice padded stats. 
45 total points in this game. The under hits. And I guess I didn't realize it until after the game, but this is a matchup between an SP plus, the number one and two defenses in the country. Like, oh. so I was thinking a little bit higher scoring. And then I looked at it after the game. I was like, oh, why in the world did I think we were going to hit the over? Like, was, we should have seen this coming. Right, exactly. So not surprising if we had looked at that ahead of time, but lower scoring game, but a fun game in Atlanta. And then on Saturday, we had the we had the Fiesta Bowl first. So we've got Iowa State and Oregon, my Cyclones, your Ducks. Iowa State just, I mean, just better team, right? Like it is way better. They just were the whole game, and <laughs> and they fun. they had the ball the whole game. Did you see the? Um, yeah, the, dude, th- these drives were, I mean, they were beautiful. The, I mean, the, oh, where is it? Time of possession, 42 minutes to 17 minutes. I mean, awesome. Iowa State, like, that's just work of art, you know? I mean, their touchdown drives were, I mean, their first two touchdown drives were 15 plays each. Yikes. I mean, that is just like, it's a work of art. And, you know, Oregon's defense has shown the last couple of games that they're really, you know, really great. But Iowa State has played their brand of football. They ran the ball pretty well in this game. Um, I mean, pretty well. They didn't allow yards of rushing. They didn't allow a third down conversion or a fourth down conversion. So if you weren't getting a first down on first or second down, it was over. You know, so there's a padlock stat. Oh for six on third down. Your yeah. defense is getting off the field. I mean, that's that's how you win football games. Get you get off the field. Get the ball back to your offense is going for 15 play drives. <laughs> plays Iowa State 85 plays to Oregon's 46 plays. Like this was just ugh. So well, and, and even you know, even there, yards per play, which is a stat that I love to look at for explosiveness. Oregon always averaged seven yards a play to Iowa State's four and a half. So I mean, Iowa State knew what they wanted to do to win this game, and they did. They just asserted their will. And hey. First New Year's Six Bowl victory ever for Iowa State and Matt Campbell. I expected it last year, but it comes in year five. And we were talking about head coach stuff today, but I think Matt Campbell should be in the top three of everyone's head coaching list. I just, as my personal opinion, I know that he's not at a place that has the ability to recruit well, nor in a conference that emphasizes recruiting like the Big Ten and SEC and ACC um, do, but. I think that if you put him in, in one of those conferences at a school that emphasizes recruiting, we'd at least be able to see. I think that's the one box he hasn't checked for me yet is like, can he recruit? Um, right. But but he can develop talent. And so it's almost like Auburn with Brian Harson, where I'm like, don't overthink this. He's a great football coach. Like, don't try to overthink it and think, will he be able to do X, Y, and Z? He's a great football coach. Look at what he's done at a program like Iowa State. Um, yeah, love Matt Campbell. But hey, one thing for these, like at least Oregon gets to take home a PS5. Like, <laughs> like every player gets a PS5 in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. I mean, <laughs> you don't can't be find them sad. anywhere, right? They, they were saving them up for the Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> that's why every that's player right. had to get one. But hey, that's awesome. You know, nice little token. You lose thirty-four to seventeen, but. Your Pac-12 champs, and you got right. a PlayStation Five. Last New Year's Six Bowl, we got Orange Bowl, Texas A&M, North Carolina. 
Texas A&M, I mean, great game the whole way through. Texas A&M had a long run late to get up seven. Carolina gets the ball back and turns it over on downs on their own side of the field. Texas A&M goes, you know, so margin of victory, 14. Game was a lot closer than that. Credit to Texas A&M. Hey, lost to Bama, finished the season with eight straight wins. But before we go shouting that, See or just as good as Notre Dame, look at the margin to victory. <laughs> this was North Carolina team without four of its five best offensive players. Sam Howe is the only one that was there. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, you had the same margin to victory with a garbage time touchdown, but I, hey, great season, Aggies. Just take your great season. You've laid a great foundation in the SEC West. I mean, look, look at the rest of the SEC West right now. You have the ability to come back next year and be that number two team again, like the like, clear cut number two, because LSU still transition. They're losing players. All players just got a new coach. Yep. Yeah, and then I mean, Ole Miss, like Ole Miss, could legitimately take a step forward and be your challenger for that number two spot. But if you're A and M talent wise, you've already you're recruited better, better yeah. than them for the last four by a lot, by a yeah. lot. And so yeah. for A and M, take this momentum, like. Plaster the fact that you got fifth in the rankings all over your locker room for next season. Use use it as motivation. Kellen Mond can come back for his nineteenth season at Texas A and M. Yep, I mean he's the last quarterback to face Texas at Texas A and M. So still on the roster. Yeah, incredible. He brought them into the SEC. Little known fact. That's, right, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, he just wore number two back in the day. It looked a little yeah. different. Um, <laughs> but yeah, great season for Texas A and M. Great win over North Carolina. Um, and you know, for the SEC not want to be in bowl games, three and one in New Year's Six Bowls. So, here's we can do a conference ranking later in the season. I argued the ACC might be the best conference in football this year. So, for them to go 0 and 6 in bowls was, was a little disappointing for me. Um, you know, the SEC only has two bowl losses, Big 12 with 5 and 0, and I saw someone saying the Big 12. You know, best conference, 5-0 and in bowls. And I was very quick to point out that Big 12 also lost to, you know, Louisiana and uh, Arkansas State, who beat Kansas State, who beat your your king, <laughs> uh, Oklahoma. So, look, it's a yeah. weird year. Every conference is bad. Every conference is great. Every conference is the best. Every conference is the worst. But everyone knows the true best conference is, in fact, the Sun Belt. So the Sun Belt will not be disrespected on the extra point. <laughs> Keep some respect on their name. Hashtag Fun Belt. We are we're the official podcast of the Sun Belt. So. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, hey, the season's not done yet, but we're close. We'll be back next week with some national championship preview and some Heisman talk. And hey, Texas just hired. Steve Sarkeesian. So we're going to have to talk about that soon as well. <laughs> but that's a whole other episode. Uh, hey, Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. We'd love to get a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, hey, drop some feedback for us. If you want a question or a topic you'd like for us to talk about this offseason, drop it on there. We'll get it on a podcast. We really will. So we'd love to get some more five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. You know, we love five-star recruits. We love five-star reviews and be sure to follow us on social media we've had some cool graphics recently congratulating our new year six champs and with the content we'll have in the off season we'll be very active on there 
Be sure to follow Daniel on social on Twitter at Deep South Daniel. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes with a K. And that will do it for this edition of the Extra Point. He is Daniel. I am Jacob. See ya. You-